Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. I am your host, Alex Burkett. If you're new to the podcast, remember to follow and subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to get the latest episodes that we post. Joining me today is Simon Greeley. He is the CEO of Indie Agency located in Sydney, Australia, where data science and strategic creativity meet. Throughout the interview, he talks about his journey through growing up playing rugby and all the different sports and how it motivated him and made him a better person that he took the skills to help advance in his career. In addition, he talks about the different challenges he was on the quest to find and that he was always looking for what is next for him. He also talks about being the CEO and what pressure and what it takes to become a CEO of a big agency. Every episode, we have the quick fire challenge. This week, the quick fire challenge is if you're not challenging yourself mentally and physically, you're missing out. While listening to this interview with Simon, think about the challenges he was on the quest for. Think about what was he doing to further himself, to gain more skills. Think about in your life. Think about what are you challenging yourself? Are you trying to stay back and keep it normal, not experimenting much? Or are you out there grinding to get to the next stage in your career? Sit back and relax and enjoy the interview with Simon Greeley as he goes on the journey to his rise to the challenge. Please welcome my guest at this time, Simon Greeley. How are you doing today, Simon? Yeah, good, thank you, Alex. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for taking this opportunity to talk about your story. On the Rise to the Challenge podcast, we start from the beginning and take a journey through your experience and what motivated you and inspired you to get to where you are today. So with all guests, we like to start at the beginning. What were you involved in as a young person growing up? Um, I, you know, I, I kind of grew up uh, playing a lot of sport, to be honest with you. And um, I remember when I was younger, sort of my dad uh, tried to get me to play uh, soccer or football if you're in the UK, and um, I kept trying to pick up the ball. Um, so after a few goes of doing that, um, I think he gave up on my soccer career, and uh, I sort of moved into playing a lot of rugby. I think from Monday through to Saturday, um, I spent pretty much all of my time playing rugby, to be honest with you. So I know rugby is getting very popular here in the United States. How much of an impact does rugby have in Australia? Well, I think uh, for the Americans, you know, it, you know, we're very similar to the Americans when it comes to sports. Uh, we are a little bit sports mad, and I love that. And then especially during a time of sort of COVID-19 when, you know, we're missing sports so much, but we, we, we almost need something to take COVID-19 off our minds. But, you know, sports in, in Australia is crazy. And, and I think what it teaches young kids and, and people in general, it, it's, you know, some amazing things from work, ethic, work ethics and, um, and teamwork. And, all, you know, uh, and especially during this time right now, you know, I, I think back to, you know, the amount of times I got knocked down playing football and you had to, you know, pick yourself back up on, off the ground. and. I think it's very similar to that now, right? You, you've almost got to keep picking yourself up off the ground and, uh, you know, you know that's probably the best way to put it. Correct. Like the way you said, you got to keep yourself up. Um, don't let anything defeat you because it just plays with your mind and it can affect long term. So definitely keep going. Keep that positive mindset is the best way. Definitely with sports and kids are learning that at a young age. Did you have any motivations or inspirations at a young age when you were playing football and rugby? Yeah, look, I had a very amazing family who were so supportive of me. But I remember my dad, you know, from the age of from the age of when I was about six or seven, just leaving me little notes and um, inspirational quotes. And I think he still does it this day, to be honest with you. Um, but I think what you know, sport taught me is that mindset is everything. Um, and I remember my dad, um, you know, 
to me and he still does, um, you know, mind over matter. Uh, and it's so true. I think the mind, you know, is a funny thing and it can play tricks on you a lot. And I think these days, you know, sport really does teach you to sort of dedicate, you know, yourself to your passion. And I think in life, it's a really good analogy to know that if you find something you're passionate about and you can dedicate yourself to it, then you can get some outcomes off the back of it. Definitely. Finding that passion is important, um, especially during this time that you can even go for your passions. Um, Start planning for the future, planning those goals to get to where you want to be. Did you have a specific goal when you were playing rugby? Like, did you want it to become professional or play long-term? Or was it just during that time that you are happy with it? Uh, I think I had about 50 goals. And, and um, I think my problem when I was younger is probably had too many goals and I probably should have enjoyed it more. I, I look back at that situation now and I'm like, God, what I want to do to go back and play in those days again. But... I think for me, you know, I really did have some stiff goals and um, and that was just for me, you know, I had goals to run out in the field and play as best as I could and that wasn't, you know, when I was 20 years of age, that was when I was 7 years of age um, and I love that, I love the competitive nature that sport brings, I love the fact that, you know, you can stand next to someone you, you barely know and, you know, you, they become your best friend over the next 12 months while you're playing with them. You know, all of these types of things, you know, sport is a, such a good thing for life. Uh, and I love it. I, I, you know, I, I miss it, to be honest with I can definitely say the same thing about missing sports. I played soccer here in the States, but I also played baseball and tennis. And it was just fun just being out on the field and just enjoying the time where you don't have to think about anything that's going on. You just have fun. And that's what sports are, is fun. And I think you can definitely tell with people missing that right now is they enjoy being with their family on a Sunday, watching a game and just grilling and all that. Talk about your rugby career. What teams did you play for? Were they professional teams or college teams? Uh, when I was growing up, um, you know, I played for a number of things, from, from your local rugby clubs to sort of your, your state and your, your national teams. I was fortunate. I think I got knocked back from a few teams, but I think my sort of, you know, daily grit of, you know, wanting to, you know, achieve something, you know, kept me pushing through. I probably wasn't the greatest football player, but I certainly had a mindset of that. I want to be the greatest football player. Um, and I think that many, you know, that sort of mindset and that determination got me through to, to play at a, probably a higher level than I should have, to be honest. Um, I was fortunate to, um, I signed with a, a, a professional rugby team at the age of 14, um, a team called the West Tigers. And, um, you know, they sort of scouted me out at a young age and they didn't give me much money, but I think uh, the... The, even the thought of getting anything at that age to me was probably the most awesome thing on the face of the earth. And um, I, I went on to sort of play as high level as I could achieve with that club. Um, and that was uh, uh, playing rugby league. And then at a, I was fortunate around about sort of 21, I made the switch over to rugby union and got the opportunity to play for the Australian under 21 team until France. And, um, you know, as I said, I, I think one of the things I would love most about sport, um, you know, and I was thinking about what you just said before, is when you're watching that sport with your family or when you're actually playing that sport, nothing in the world matters. Yep. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we speak about this day and age around about mindfulness and, and things like that. Well, essentially that, you know, sport for us is, is, is a form of mindfulness without us even realizing it. When you're watching that sport, you know, you're not worried about what's, you know, happening with your job. You're not worried about what's, you know, going on with your partner or your friend. You're just enjoying the moment you're in. And I, and I think that is probably what I love most about sport. Even when I was playing it, you know, when you're out there, nothing else matters. You talked about um, being greater at the sport, not having, I guess, the confidence. What did you do to build that confidence to play better each and every game? Um, I remember I got uh, knocked back from a team um, when I was about 15. And um, and then for the, I remember going home crying my eyes out like a big baby um, and telling my parents and they sort of gave me a pat on the back and like, you know what, you know, that you were robbed. Um, and then what I did was I wrote on my hand one year and I wrote this on my hand for an entire year. And I remember people asking me, why are you writing one year on your hand? And I didn't really tell anyone. Um, what I was writing one year on my hair for was because I had another year to work hard in order to get another opportunity again. 
And so every day when I woke up and I wrote that on my hand, that meant that if I did an extra three hours of work in a park where no one saw, or if I did an extra two hours of stretching, in one year's time, I'll get another opportunity and I'll be better again at that. And I think that is what, you know, drove me to succeed and, and do that. And I still use that type of methodology now is, I think we see Instagram and Facebook and everyone who's doing well in business and, you know, making lots of money or anything like that. These people, you know, almost pretend like it was easy. It wasn't. You don't see all the hard work behind the scenes that these people are putting in. And it's the same with sport. You don't see all of the hours. You just see, you know, Tom Brady holding up a trophy. Tom Brady has dedicated his entire life to being a superstar. And that is the outcome of that. Correct. A lot of these athletes, they work hard to get to where they're at, especially even Olympic athletes. Even though they have that one moment, they're working the four years after the previous Olympics to get better, to get to where they're at, to play at the top level. Exactly. I don't know if you've seen the new Michael Jordan documentary at the moment on Netflix, um, but there is a guy that's pretty much dedicated his entire life to being the best basketball player in the world and he wasn't afraid to tell everyone for doing it, but like him and, you know, the late great sort of Kobe Bryant, these guys dedicate their life. You know, they were there at 3 a.m. to make sure that they were in four hours before everyone else got there. Correct. And look at what they've been able to accomplish. It's all about the hard work and having that mindset to complete and be accomplished in a way. So, exactly. So after rugby, um, Talk about college. What were your goals for college? What did you want to pursue at that time? Uh, for me, I think I, I didn't really know, to be honest with you. I was in this weird stage where I knew I needed to study something, um, but wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to study. It wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. I, I, I remember my family always telling me, you know, you need a, a career backup outside of sports. Um, but I, I think I just almost really had about 15 different things I wanted to study and I also didn't like studying. It's it's funny when I look back at that now is going how I really love studying now and, and um, you know, but back then it was, for me it was just a hard work and a chore. So I think it's really trying to switch your mindset to going, you know, why is it you're studying? I think for me um, it was trying to find something I was passionate in and I think you see a lot of people these days who, um, you know, fall into industries but they're not exactly passionate about and then becomes work for them. For me, I always wanted to find something that I was passionate about so it's never worked for me. What was the end up being that passion that you were going for? Um, I feel, well, I shouldn't say fell. I wanted to find something that um, gave me the same kind of feelings that I got with sport. It was really hard and I think a lot of football players and a lot of sporting people in general go through this phase where once they stop playing sport, it's like, what do you do? You've gone from, you know, um, running out in front of, you know, fans and, you know, um, and playing with your mates to suddenly you've got to go to work from nine to five. Um, and it's, for me, it's taken me probably, you know, an extra 15, 20 years to be able to find what I actually truly love and passionate about. Um, I treated myself in those days as um, almost an apprentice in a job. I said, I'm going to learn to be a sponge as much as humanly possible and learn as much of a craft as, um, as I humanly could. And for me, my craft was in media. Um, and I remember, you know, getting into media and people would turn up at 9am. I was there from 4am. Um, you wow. know, at the start, I was hardly even getting paid. Um, but I treated, you know, that job as an opportunity and I worked my, you know, ass off to, to get where I was going. I think you mentioned a great point with people that are athletes and what happens next when they're done playing we see a lot of these athletes where they get an injury and if they can't play anymore what's their next state or next goal for them so that's why we see a lot of these athletes come out of college and they have these degrees because they have something that they can fall back on and then you bring up a great point with the apprenticeship we see a lot i when i was in college i tried to do internships i tried to get involved in organizations as much as I can to learn because I know that on a resume it could look good that I can have those skill sets and I found that passion and event planning was a passion of mine I did it throughout college I do it now where I work at and it's definitely has brought me to become a better person exactly exactly and I think that passion is so hard to find I, I think 
the biggest thing throughout a lot of, you know, whether you're young or whether you're old is, and I hear it quite often, is going, oh, but I'm not passionate about it. Um, and I think the thing is you've got to try a lot of things to know what you are passionate about um, and you've got to rule out the ones you're not passionate about. And I think no matter what stage of you, whether you're in a sporting career or whether in your, um, you know, your actual career, it, it, don't be afraid to walk away from something if your passion isn't there because you don't want to do something for the next 30 years you're not passionate about. Correct. You want to keep that positive mindset looking towards the future. And if you have to take a step back, don't regret that decision because you're just making it better for yourself to get further in your career. Exactly. And this is, you know, if you think about it now, COVID-19 is probably the perfect time for a lot of people because I think it's given us a second to all reflect on, you know, where we're at in our lives. You know, some people have come out the other side of this and go, you know what, I had time to reflect and I love doing what I'm doing. There'll be some people that come out the other side and go, I hate doing what I'm doing. I'm going to find a new passion and we'll go on and be better for it. Yep. I totally agree with that statement. So after college, uh, what did what was your first job that you had um was it in media radio what kind of position were you in uh my first job i took a job for about two weeks at a, at a promotions agency um and didn't really love it to be honest with you i was then fortunate enough that i'd already just applied for a job in media um and it was to work in a team uh, what, what we call here is integration um, and integration was kind of like a mix between sort of what I would call sort of marketing and promotion for, for the brands that we worked with. And that was working in radio. So I was very fortunate at a young age. I got put with some absolute superstar people uh, with a company called Southern Cross of Stereo. And they really taught me, I guess, a lot of things, not just about, you know, marketing, promotions and content, but they taught me about being, a, you know, a good employee, you know, what took to get there i was also fortunate to work with some amazing people so that's kind of my sort of journey talk about some of the things that you learned that you got out of that experience um i i think the the fortunate position for I, that i fell into was that i was working in radio and radio um there were some amazing amazing people from the content teams to the people on air um, they knew the importance of finding the best content or generating the best content and getting out to your audience at the right time. And it was, they were constantly generating content 24-7. It was a job that I loved because it, it was all inclusive. You got in there and, you know, you were being taught so many different things. Um, and that is, you know, why I fell in love with working in media at that particular time. Were you able to showcase your skills and be able to play a big part in the projects that you were a part of? Um, I, did, I was lucky. I guess for a young guy with not a great deal of experience, Brian, um, the girls that I worked with, they had two amazing bosses, and a girl called Sam and Lizzie, they actually, um, you know, gave me an opportunity. They sort of, it was almost like letting a dog off a leash. Um, I had so much passion and so much determination, you know, I, was, I would have got 100 miles an hour at anything. Um, and I guess, um, you know, I, I was fortunate at that time, you know, I had two good bosses that just let me go. Um, did I make a few mistakes along the way? Probably I did, yeah. Um, but I guess it taught me so much and uh, I wasn't afraid, of, no matter what age you are, to really have a go and try and mix it with, you know, older people in the workplace and people more, with more experience. You brought up a great thing about your age. I know in my industry for a long period of time, and definitely at my age coming right out of college, I had to kind of prove myself. And I think I was able to convey that message when I was able to be a part of the startup, where a lot of the people that were part of the startup team, they were double my age, but they saw the talent that I had, the passion for the business, the capability of helping people, and it kind of showed them that they have brought in a great um, person to help further that state's lottery. And I think you brought up a great point that age should not play a factor at all. It's all about the skills and the talent the person has and what they can offer. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, it's, a, it's a balance. It really is. It's about... It's about having that ambition from being a young person to go, I can, you know, take over the world, but still being able to go and respect those people who have been there 
10, 15, 20 years. Now, I, you know, probably at times went a bit too hard and I look back and reflect on that now, but I was fortunate that these, you know, people I worked with realised, you know, that, you know, if, you, if they can teach you and if you can teach someone and, and, you know, take them on a journey, then why not? I just said, you know, having mentors as a young person is key um, and, you know, and just respecting those people that you work with, but also having that same passion to want to strive for bigger and better things at any age is amazing. I think having, having that mentors definitely what people should strive for at a young age. I know I have a bunch of mentors that have a lot of experience and each day that I can learn something, it just makes it even better because I'm just gaining more and more knowledge each and every day. Exactly. So talk about after that position, what was next on your career? What did you do next? Did you have any opportunities that you went for that you were ready to take on or were you wanting to still stay in the position that you were in? Uh, no, I, I, as I said, that mentality of mine kind of wanted to see, you know, what job I could have next. I, I often used to fall into a trap of going, what next? Probably not enjoying, you know, the actual moment as much as I should have. Um, but for me, I grew up in that sort of integration um, team. Um, and however, I wanted to move to content. And in radio, what we call content, the content is on air. Um, and that's working with brands externally to put amazing content on air um, and sell advertising dollars. Um, and so I made it sort of my mission to jump from um, integration and promotions to the um, running sort of the shows and the content that actually makes it to air. Um, funny story, I remember the guy I spoke to at the start who was the boss at the time kind of shut me down and just kind of said, you've got no chance and you'll never make it across the other side. Anyway, three years later, I was working with him full time and pretty much uh, on par with him. So it was such a challenge, but I loved that. And, um, you know, it taught me, you know, a lot to this day. That's great that you kind of, you took the, the challenge and you were going to do anything to complete it and accomplish it. And like you said, you were at the same level with that person. It's kind of a nice story that people can listen to and be like, go for it. Just challenge yourself. Yeah, well- I think that, that same guy that I remember, and I had actually had a photo of him up on my wall for about six months. I said, you know, I was young and, and I wanted to get, I was ambitious, but he used to on a daily basis drive me insane. And however, to be fair, he taught me everything I know during that stage. Um, and so as much as at the time, it, I, I, you know, I found it very, very challenging. I look back and I go, I wouldn't have accomplished anything have been for not working with him over that period of time. So talk about, um, on, for the on-air part, did you work with any stations or personalities that were high clients? Um, yes, yeah, so look, I was fortunate to work with, in Australia, some of the biggest sort of uh, radio talent, um, from people like Colin Jackio to um, Hamish and Andy, um, you know, I guess if you were going to equate them to what they are in America, you know, Colin Jackie have been number one in Australia for 10 years plus, um, very close to Ryan Seacrest with KISS in LA. And, um, you know, I was very fortunate, I think over that sort of four or five years I spent working in media and radio, that I met sort of every sort of major sort of celebrity that came out. And, and, and you know, you get to see how they would interact with people. You know, I remember seeing them um, before they would get on air, they would be sort of quiet and humble. And then as soon as they got onto, um, you know, the microphone or in front of a camera, they just, they electrified the place. And it was really interesting to see how, what made these people tick. And, you know, as a, I was very fortunate to work with some of the better ones. I'm going to share some knowledge that I have. Um, you mentioned <laughs> Kyle and Jackie O. I am a huge Big Brother fan. And Kyle and Jackie <laughs> O were the host of Big Brother 2008. And when I saw that you worked for them, like, wow, okay, I, at least I know a little bit of these personalities that you've worked with. But like you said, um, I've seen clips of Kyle and Jackie O, and it's just their personality and like the passion they have for what they do and how they convey the message with their guests. It's just very, it's kind of similar to Ryan Seacrest and something that you learn. Um, but when you were working with... Kyle and Jackie O and the other ones. Was there like an, a, a moment that you're like, I'm happy to be here and it's definitely, I know that this 
area was for me. Like this job was for me. Yeah, I loved it. I think from the second I got there, I really enjoyed it. But I, you know, in saying that, I was there. I would start work at 3 a.m. I think I used to leave at 3 p.m. Um, thinking back to that now, I'm like, God, I was insane. I would never do that again right now. But I loved it. I think, um, you know, Cole is a bit like Ryan Seacrest, but both Cole and Jackie O, they were just amazing at content. They really just understood, you know, the quality that it had to be. I remember we'd do 15 takes of something and only one would make the air, uh, you know, and that they were perfectionists and they loved the game they were in and they were masters at it. Um, you know, I think when you're in those situations, you know, it was, you know, I was very grateful. Uh, but as I said, the, there's a reason why people like Ryan, Colin, Jackio, and these big sort of media personalities that are still in the game and still doing so well is they work so hard that you don't see that, I guess, um, when you're just staring at the screen, you only hear about it, you know, a few years after they normally retire, to be honest. Were you able to go to them and ask advice and they were willing to be open about it? Or were you kind of like hesitant to ask for the advice? Oh, no, I think if I asked Carl for advice, he would tell me to piss off to be honest with you. Um, No, he, they were, I think at the time, I was trying to, you know, make sure that they didn't see any weaknesses in me. Um, uh, in, in all honesty, I remember thinking to myself, Christ, how the hell did I get this job? Um, you know, it, it's probably, you know, I look back and I think even at that particular time, I was, I was still really young. I think they thought I was older than I was. Um, I was learning my craft on the job, so to speak, and, um, and, but I never, I don't think I ever, uh, I, I think I, I was scared to probably ask for advice, but, you know, looking back, I probably should have more, to be honest with you, and, um, but I, I do think, you know, those guys taught me pretty much everything I know, and they didn't even realize they were doing it. For someone that's getting into radio and broadcasting and media launches and stuff, what's what's a tip that you, you would give them to better themselves and get them farther in their career? Um, I think once again, get in it for the right reasons. Uh, you know, passion obviously, but you know, if, if you're doing it, you know, for the wrong reasons, you're not going to last very long. Um, and you see that often with it in any sort of career. Uh, but especially media, um, you know, get in there for the right reasons. Understand what you want to do in the media in the media industry, um, and then if it is your passion, then go for it. But also, like we said before, it's you know, write down your goals. What do you want to achieve? How are you going to do it? You know, um, I, you know, for me, I wake up every morning and go, what's my intentions for that day? Um, and if your intentions for that day or your intentions for that year is to, you know do better in, in or launch a brand or to work in the media industry, you know, give it everything you've got and dedicate your life to it. I think that's a good goal to have. I know before I struggled with writing down the goals and what did I, what's next for me. But now, like we said, with this pandemic going on, it's given me that opportunity to write down those goals. What do I want to see next? What do I hope to do when I come back to work? And it's just, it's going to help me make get me even farther before coming back to the or coming back to australia you made a transition to london um for a job opportunity talk about that a little bit um i think i was one of those people as i said before that you know i'm always chasing something i always want to try anything and you know i never want to die wondering and um i guess for me I really wanted to test myself in another market. You know, Australia, Australia has been very, you know, good to me, uh, but I wanted to try out the UK. Um, I was born there, so I wanted to go back and have a crack in, in that um, in that challenging environment. And to be honest with you, what I learned is there's some very smart cats in the UK. And, you, you know, it took me probably, you know, six to 12 months to even adjust to the market itself. Uh, once again, very fortunate to who I worked with. I ended up working with, um, the founder is, uh, of Movember, which is a men's health charity. It's gone on to make millions for men's health. Um, and uh, the country manager of the UK uh, from Movember, they sort of, you know, really helped me, guided me during that time. And, um, you know, I'm forever grateful. As I said, what we said before is, you know, you know, if we've got good mentors and we've got those good people to work with, geez, it makes that experience so much better. Were you able to take the skills and the knowledge you learned before making that transition to the job in London? And did you take the skills that you learned from London and brought when you brought them back to Australia? 
Yeah, I think London for me was kind of a steering out of radio into a new sort of uh, path or segment. And, you know, from going from media to a non-for-profit was really interesting. Uh, I did take some of the skills and that kind of probably progressed me into my journey I'm on now. I went from more of a media background into more of a marketing, um, you know, background now. Um, and I think what I learned, those skills probably I got taught on the job and I got taught them from people, you know, who were good mentors to me during that time. So you talked about learning on the job. What's the best advice you would give to someone if they're going through that situation? Well, I'll give you the best advice they gave me when I landed in the UK, and it was the founder of, of Movember, and he said to me, um, in life and in this job, it's about what you say no to. And at the time, it, it was, I probably didn't get my head around it, and now I think it's so crucial. We are in a, you know, a world where we say yes to so many things. You know, we'll say yes to catching up with friends when we know we're too busy, or we'll say yes to things in business that we probably should have sometimes, because we don't want to say no. And, and I really think it's about what we say no to that will define both our careers and our lives. For someone that has to figure out what they can say no, how do they go about that mindset? Um, I think, again, you know, go with your gut. It's kind of a 50-50 split between your, sort of your mind and your gut, really, these days. And I think even when our gut and our mind is still telling us to say no, we still sometimes say yes. And especially when you're younger, um, it is a hard thing because, you, you, know, you know, you always feel like you have to say yes. Don't. Um, say yes to things that you want to say yes to and say no to things that you don't feel right about. Um, and that's the best advice anyone's given me in business and I think it's the best advice I can give anyone else. I think definitely with people that when they start a career, they don't want to upset a boss or anything, so they're not going to say no and they're always saying yes. And I know when I've experienced that, if I say no, I want to be able to say, well, how can I be able to say yes to it? So going to your boss or director and learning about the situation, asking peers for advice, I think I've learned that way. So when someone asks me again to do something like that, I can say yes instead of saying no and not feeling comfortable about it. Yeah, exactly. And then I think at the end of the day, I, I say this to people a lot, it's like, you know, people pay you for an opinion. Uh, whether that opinion is good or bad, you know, that's it. And your boss will understand is how there is, you can still say no or you can still say yes, but, you know, you can do it in a respectful manner. Um, and, and it's finding that balance. It really is. So after uh, Kyle and Jackie O and all the radio what was your next that you went for? What was the next company or the next goal or passion? Well, I was, so I just finished launching um, KISS, which is the same KISS you have um, in the US. Well, we ended up bringing that to Australia and it's been a huge success story here. Uh, we got that brand from Brian Seacrest and um, it, I wanted to change. You know, to launch a radio station was for me a huge deal. Um, but after that, I kind of got to a stage where I was like, well, you know, what do I do now? If, you know, I wasn't one of those people that wanted to do the same thing over and over again, day in, day out. And so I looked for an opportunity um, and there was a, sort of a big opportunity that came up for me um, working in a completely different industry, something I knew nothing, nothing about. And um, I was fortunate to sort of um, take that role, but it was a scary thought going from, once again, from media to a completely new market. Would you say that you're a risk taker in a way? Because you talked about you kind of took that risk in an area that you didn't have much experience in before. Um, risk taker. I would say I was a risk taker when, you know, probably five years ago. I'm, I'm getting a little bit older and wiser these days. Um, but I think you've still got to take some risk. Like, at the end of the day, you know, we um, as a generation, as a country as a um, you know as a world I guess um, we tend to now follow what everyone else is doing um, and for me I often think about it if you're doing whatever everyone else is doing you're going to get the same results as everyone else um, and for me I wanted to always try and you know look for opportunities to learn or try new things um, and I guess you know, I guess if I was going to say, I'd probably say it's a calculated risk. I wanted to get into a new industry. I didn't want to just be pigeonholed to just working in media. What was that industry that you made the move into? 
Um, I moved across for hospitality. So the venue I um, looked after, a group of venues, um, were huge in, in Sydney. And um, and you know, you know, yourself working at IGT, we had a lot to do with IGT, and we had probably at that particular stage they were building a 140 million dollar. Um, performing arts centre um, out in a part of uh, Sydney, Australia, and they wanted someone to launch that. They wanted someone to also build the brand out there. So I went to a hospitality industry that I knew nothing about and took sort of my marketing media background and tried to relate that to the hospitality industry. Were you like the head project person or were you be able to come up with certain aspects of that performance arts uh, centre? Uh, once again, I was very lucky. The, the CEO who recruited, recruited me um, gave me free reign. Um, I came into as the sort of general manager of marketing, and um, you know, I think I initially started with probably about 20 staff. By the end, by the time I left, I probably had I think it was close to about 150 staff working across multiple from projects to marketing to food and beverage to gaming. I was you know very fortunate that that person gave me the opportunity once again to try so many different things um and you know i'm very grateful for that being the general manager of a staff or a company what's the biggest take that you got from it what's something you learned about yourself being in that role um i think you know you go from when you're younger you work on a project and you finally, you know, you get to the outcomes of those projects. When you're the general manager or the CEO or the CMO, you've got a balance between, hey, the projects that you're working on have got to, you know, have an amazing outcome and the commercial outcomes, obviously, but you're also managing a team and, you know, that team isn't just about work. People have private lives and all of that kind of stuff and you've got a balance to make sure you're getting the best out of them and you're doing the right things by them as well. So it's really... It comes back to that sporting mentality we were chatting about at the start is you've got to make sure that your team is, is in good form. Then, you know, they're in the best shape possible for them to do a good job. When you were confronting a challenge, how, what was the process like? How did you take that challenge and turn it into a positive? Um, I think it's, you know, it's really about accepting any sort of challenge that comes up and having a bit of a plan of attack. Um, too many people these days, I think the word strategy is, is, is almost forgotten in this world because we're going 100 miles an hour, but any challenge that comes up, take a moment to relax, um, you, know, you know, have a second to yourself, write down what is your strategy, what is your plan of attack, um, and take on that challenge with a plan. Um, too many people sort of, you know, when something comes up, they sort of run headfirst into it and then worry about what they, the strategy is going to be later. Think of the strategy first, then execute that strategy. Um, and that's probably my best advice that I sort of handle a tough situation. I know I've been um, a, a guilty of heading right into a challenge right away and not even thinking about it. And sometimes I feel that I have to sit back for a second plan my attack and go for it then make sure i have all the different avenues covered because that's how things slip and then that's when the cracks fall so definitely exactly yes and it's almost like um you know it's as bad as it seems but if someone said to you you know um get from point a to point b you would normally use a gps or a map um you wouldn't just you know stab and drive into the dark and hope you turn up at point b you have to have that strategy first. That's a good example. We're using like from getting to point A to point B. You put it in the GPS. You have that strategy to get there. You're not going to just go for it. Because knowing my luck, I'm probably going to end up in <laughs> section C or something. Point C and not even be close to where I'm supposed to be going. But you think about that. So you put it in a GPS and there is a roadblock. What does the GPS do? The GPS gives you two other options. Yeah. Now that is a good strategy. Have one, two, three options and, you know, you should get to that, you know, position you need to be eventually. But too many people, you know, and I can't sit here and say myself, oh, I haven't done the same thing in the past, but you run into something head first and, you know, it doesn't always end well. Yeah. So currently you are a CEO of Indie Agency. How did that come about? 
Um, well, working, so when I went across the hospitality, gaming was big. And um, like a casino in, um, in the United States, it was similar to the place where I was working at. And data was everything. And this is before, you know, it became the new buzzword for everything else. But gaming did an amazing job of collecting data and using that data in order to bring in customers. And uh, we're now seeing this with brands all across the entire world. But um, I, you know, was fortunate. I met a, a guy who owned another agency and was looking to launch a marketing agency uh, and um, had sort of asked me to be involved in it. I said, yes, but um, let's make sure that we use data science as our backing because, you know, there's a lot of fluff out there at the moment, but unless you're using that hardcore data to, you know, once again, guide your strategy, um, then you're not going to get to the right place that you need to be. Did you have experience with data before you got into this position or was this something new that you were learning when you were actually taking on the challenges? Yeah, that three years when I was general manager and um, I spent a lot of time digging into the data. At that particular stage, I, I didn't know anything about it, but I dedicated about three years of my life to understanding the ins and outs but I also just didn't, you know, I think I, I was specializing in what data I could use from a marketing perspective. And I think that people get caught up these days in data from there's so many different sources, first, second, third party. Um, I tailored the data I needed from a marketing perspective to do the campaigns I wanted to do. And, um, you know, and I think that is where we get lost. We're almost in an abundance of data these days. But for me, it was about finding the data that was, you know, I, for me, it was trying to figure out what or who our customer was and how do I get them into our venues or how do I get them to increase their time spent in the venue. So going into now getting back into marketing and that's kind of where you started, did you have a sense of passion again with marketing and being able to get back into it? Oh, definitely. Like I love marketing and I think, you you know, we hear so many different things from different buzzwords now like digital and, you know, traditional versus traditional. Um, for me, digital and traditional are the exact same thing. I, I'm a, you know, I'm a student of the game, and I really, you know, I'm passionate about it. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I spend my mornings reading marketing reports, which is kind of sad. But um, at the same time, that is, you know, that's what I enjoy. Um, and I think that's what we go back to trying to find your passion. If you find that passion, you know, waking up and reading a marketing report isn't so bad. For someone who's not passionate about marketing, reading that marketing report must drive them insane. Talking about the marketing reports, marketing is kind of, I kind of look at it as almost like a canvas. There's multiple different things you can use marketing for. I know with my career, I use marketing in a creative side and how I can convey a message and reading those reports because marketing is always changing and you always have to be up to date with what's going on in the world because things are changing every day when it comes to marketing. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but I don't think it's just marketing. I think it's everything under the sun. We are, you know, technology is moving really fast. And if we go back to data, you know, I think a, um, a chief marketing officer these days or, or just a marketing manager, you now need to be, you know, amazing at marketing. But marketing includes how to use data, how to analyze that data, and how to use technology. You know, what channels should you be advertising on digital? You need, you know, people used to specialize, and I think, yes, you can specialize, which is fantastic, but you also need to have a broad understanding of these other parts of marketing. When you were getting into this company, was there a sense, were you trying to challenge yourself in a way? Did you uh, have challenges when you were becoming CEO? Um, yes to both. I think, yes, I've just seen it as a personal challenge and I also, you know, see it as a business challenge. Every single day there's a new challenge that comes up. I can tell you anyone who's listening to this who's about to start their own business, you will have ebbs and flows. It will be like a roller coaster ride. You'll have some days where it is fantastic and it's the best idea of your life. You'll have other days where it's the most stupid idea and you should go and get a job that pays you well. Um, it, it, it once again comes back down to passion. You know, for me, especially during COVID, you know, there are so many businesses, small, medium and large, that are hurting during this time and you need to really get your mindset in check and go, this is going to be a hard slog and eventually people will come out the other side. But um, it is a tough time and the only thing 
that is probably going to get you through this time is your mindset. How do you use social media? I know that you post on LinkedIn. You have those articles that you have. How does social media play a big part in your job? Um, not all social media. I'm not probably, you know, I don't use Facebook, your Instagram and stuff like that, but LinkedIn I found a, a very powerful tool. Now I think it's something like 90% of marketers are on LinkedIn. So it makes a great deal of sense to me to be active on LinkedIn. And I think it makes a great deal of sense to a lot of marketers. Like if you, you know, if we walked into a coffee shop and you think, you know, a group of like-minded people, that's essentially what, you know, LinkedIn is, you know, it's the, the people who enjoy marketing, you know, I can, you know, use hashtags, get involved in their communities and bounce different ideas off them. For me, it's an opportunity to share ideas and, you know, occasionally I post things or people will say, that's fantastic. Other times they'll say, that's crap. And that type of feedback is, you know, great. Um, and I would encourage anyone who, you know, who wants to be in sort of marketing or wants to run their own business, get out there. Use it as a tool to sell or you also use it as a tool to, you know, engage with other marketers. Do you take the data from posts and stuff and how you can make it better? What can you change to get the statistics at where you want it to be? Yeah, I think you've got to sort of balance. It's like any sort of other good marketing campaign. You've got to find out what works and what doesn't work. And LinkedIn is um, ever evolving, especially during COVID-19. You know, the um, engagement rates uh, during this period of time have increased um, you can, you know, uh, certainly the engagement for posts have changed during this time as well because there's a lot more people active in that nine to five period when traditionally they probably would have been at the office, you know, in a meeting and stuff like that. So um, it is really just taking that data, finding out what works, you know, you know, if a post works at 9am every single time, there's a good chance over the next couple of months it will work at 9am next time. If that starts to change, then you might try and look at going, um, posting at 5 p.m. I say it's like anything else, test and learn. Um, test it, try it, see if it works, learn from it, and then move on. Definitely, the kind of like the trial and error kind of situation where you just try something. If you have to make changes, make those changes. I know when I, I'm a trainer and I train people in the lottery and all that stuff, if there's a way that I'm conveying a message and maybe it's not working, I change it up and try to see if a different way works. And that's how I kind of use data in a way is based on like how people interact and take that message that I'm presenting to them. Exactly. And, and, and data is just another word for, you know, feedback. Um, and there's probably a lot of people from data science maybe jumping up and down, but it's, you know, it, it's really just looking at different elements and finding out what works, what doesn't work, who, um, you know, what is resonating, what's not resonating, it's using, it's, it's collecting as much information. It's almost like doing a survey without them knowing they're doing a survey. You're collecting that information and then you're, you know, adjusting and tweaking to the right sort of outcome. How has your company changed its strategy during this pandemic? Are you guys still able to take on the campaigns and the marketing stuff and be able to help your clients? Or how has that changed over this time? Well, I've got a lot of our clients are casinos and venues and hospitality venues, hotels, you know, and yeah, they're all closed at this particular point. So it, it has been a very challenging time for us. Um, the mindset shift for me was the same mindset shift I'm trying to teach our clients. This is your golden opportunity and time. So there's two strategies I look at is one, retain your customers. You know, don't just ignore them for this period of time while you're closed because they'll remember that. And second, this is your opportunity. You haven't got the daily grind of having 15 meetings a day. Work on future-proofing your business and brand. You know, there are so many big, whether it's a data project, a CRM project, a Salesforce project, um, you know, an IGT, you know, upgrade for gaming machines, whatever it is, you've got to, you know, start looking at the future and going, what can I be working on right now that is going to put me in a better position in 12 months' time? Definitely. It goes back to think about what's the next and what's the goal that you want to get back on track to complete um, when we all get back to the normal times when it happens. Exactly right. And it's, it comes back to the strategy. You know, it, it does seem for a lot of people, you know, very doom and gloom time right now. And, and it is um some more than others but if you still you know if you're still working and you're still you know doing your nine to five it is remote use this time build your strategy out 
start looking for the future. Where do you want to be as a brand in the business next year? Where do you want to be in, in, in you know, five years' time? COVID-19 is going to be around for a very long time, so people really are going to have to adjust both their business model and their brand marketing model. So thinking about the future, what's next for Simon? Professionally and personally, what are your goals that you want to accomplish? Um, for me, you know, I personally want to, you know, I probably want to do, I want to do some more study. I think you've constantly got to be, um, you know, learning. Um, if you want to be one of the, you know, for me personally, if I want to try and be one of the top marketers in Australia, the only way to do that for me is, is by learning. And you can learn on the job, which everyone does every single day of the week. Um, you can learn online, uh, but you can also study. And, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of, um, you know, people really trying to educate themselves and better themselves and, and learn and grow. And uh, I think that's one of the key things for me coming up over the next couple of years um, is, you know, trying to study more, trying to, you know, perfect my game to be as best as I can. You talk about learning. What kind of sites or programs do you use to learn more? Um, I use so many different things. I think, you know, I, I wake up in the mornings, I have a pretty strict regime in the mornings, and, you know, I try and sit my intent and go, what am I going to try and learn today? And, um, you know, whether it's reading a report that I've seen online, reading a couple of news articles on LinkedIn, or doing a course or a six-week course, um, it doesn't matter if you want to be good just like in sports or if you want to you know, improve your game, you have to work at it. And that is not your day-to-day job that you pay nine to five. It's what you do outside of those nine to five that is going to make you better at what you do. And for me, it's, there's so many different sources now of where you can get information, whether that's marketing, data, you know, content, whatever it is. There is no, you know, there's no reason or excuses not to be, you know, reading all of these different things, taking it in, have a notepad, you know, and keep a, you know, ideas journal. Um, all of these types of things will make you a better, you know, marketer, businessman, you know, small business owner, entrepreneur in the future. Definitely, all these reports are going to continue to keep coming out because they always have new data, new information that they want to share, and they're always taking this what situation everyone's going in and how people can help gain and get farther. So definitely the learning. I know I use like papers and articles and we have something called retail dive which helps with marketing and retailers and stuff and it's just interesting to learn everything that's going on that i may have never experienced before and it just helps you gain more knowledge and learn new skills yeah and you're right and nothing you know no one knows everything you're gonna find you know whether it's mentors online learning all of that kind of stuff take it all in uh, you know, and once you've taken it in, decide what you're going to keep and what you're going to use and what you're not going to use. But learn, be a sponge, try and get as much information as possible. I think it's just key to everyone's development. So something we like to do on this podcast is do a little reflection. So for someone getting into your industry, what are the tips you would give them to get to gaining where they can get to your level? Um, passion, uh, we've talked about mindset would be definitely number two. Uh, number three would be study. Um, you know, uh, we've, we've talked about it, but you can't, you know, you can't get enough of it. Um, number four, dedication, hard work. Um, I think that's the biggest one for me at the moment is, you know, what well, if you really want to achieve something, it is no difference whether it's sport or whether it's business. You really have to put in the hard work. Um, and you have to be dedicated and willing to give up a lot of things. Like if people are out, you know, from five o'clock, you know, getting drunk or something like that, that's fine. That's up to them. You might have to do an extra couple of hours in the office, but that is what is going to make you who you're going to be in the future. You don't see, you know, your Michael Phelps and your amazing athletes out, you know, well, Michael Phelps might be a different group, but <laughs> some of the athletes, the, the amount of dedication that these people are putting in um, it is why they are so amazing. Talent will only get you so far. Michael Phelps can come back swimming. You never know. I mean, people say that they retire. They'll be back in that pool the next Olympics. It, 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 I think it must be a very hard thing for, for someone like a Michael Phelps to give up when, you, when you're that good at something. But as I said, I do think... Michael Phelps has put in the hours. He deserves to put his feet up if he wants to. Looking back at your time in rugby, the skills and the experience, is there anything that you've taken from that time that you use today? 
yes. Um, I think you get so many knockdowns, and I'm not talking physically um, in sport and in rugby. I think you get, you know, the amount of teams you get knocked back from, or, you know, if you didn't score that try, or if you didn't make that final goal, you know, you have to pick yourself back up pretty quick. Um, and instead of thinking of it as a loss, you think of it as learning. And the way, the best way I think about it is everything that you do is a learning opportunity. Oh, sorry. You kind of mentioned with if your friends are going out and risking, it's kind of like a risk reward. Are you going to take that risk and have to work harder for that reward? Or do you take a risk in a different way by working and then you feel that reward happening? Uh, I think you... I think it's a mixture of both, to be honest with you. I think you take a risk because it's something you want to do. Um, and then the risk will either pay off or it won't. But I think if you take a risk, and even if it doesn't pay off, fantastic, you've learned something about yourself and you've learned something about you know what you're doing. Um, everything you do is an opportunity to learn. And uh, the amount of times you, you know, you'll do something and you'll hate it or you wish you hadn't done it, but you'll reflect on that 12 months later and go, Christ, thank you. You know, thank God I did that uh, because it taught me that I don't like that, or I, it taught me that I can do this instead. It's kind so of it's a balance. Between. It's kind of like a self-reflection in a way, reflecting on what has happened and what can you do to make a difference if need to. Exactly right. If you look at, um, I don't know if you ever watched the UFC with someone like Conor McGregor. You know, every time he loses a fight, and I'm a fan of you know the his mindset. Um, you know, he you know thinks. He's the greatest in the world, and you know you can see that when he fights, that confidence comes out in him. Um, but he certainly he takes his losses on the chin, and when he loses a fight, thinks of it as I learned this, and that same mindset is great in business or in marketing. That's definitely a good comparison. With the UFC, is one of those where when they lose, they get back into the gym, they're training even harder because they know that next fight can put them on a positive track to getting that championship fight. Um, I definitely know that the media plays an effect, but look at all those fighters get back to the grind and get to where they want to be. Exactly. And then if you, in boxing or in UFC, they normally say you're only as good as your last fight. And that's true for everything in life. You know, um, what you did, you know, five years ago, you know, that's great. It's what, what are you doing in the next five years? And, you know, if you look at UFC and boxing, as soon as they finish that fight, they shake hands. Uh, that sportsmanship, I think, is fantastic. It's the same as a business. If something doesn't go right, great. Shake hands, move on. What's the next thing? Correct. The final thing I want to ask you is, for someone listening to this interview, what messages or advice would you give them to rise to their challenge? Um, I think it's a really good question. Uh, what's the best advice? Um, just keep getting up. Um, doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down. It doesn't matter how many knockbacks, setbacks, COVID-19 um, you get. Just keep on walking forward. Um, and, and I think the other thing is, is that I think people get too bogged down on, you know, what has happened in this second. Um, you know, try and put it out of your mind, get the right mindset and think to the future because as doom and gloom as something might seem right now, um, you know, better days, uh, one phone call, one email, one step in front of the other, uh, it's not far away from being a better day than it is currently. Um, so I think it's really sort of topical at the moment, obviously with COVID-19, but people, a lot of people are doing it tough out there at the moment. And I guess if we can give hope to anyone, just say, you know, just keep on going. We'll come out the other side soon enough with all of those that you give one message one phone call can turn a negative into a positive one experience can turn a negative into a positive and you have to keep on going don't let anything knock you down and if for people that have someone in their life that is experienced a tough time reach out to them and try to see any way that they can help them to get them onto that positive track that they want to get on Exactly, exactly. I think, you know, there is so many people, you know, out there at the moment who don't have a huge, you know, family or, uh, family or friends network. And we've all got to do the right thing to make sure that everyone's looked after. So, you know, it's not just business. Pick up the phone, give someone a hand, pick up someone's groceries for them. Anything we can do during this time, 
amazing. Um, and you know, you you'll feel better for it. Um, you know, so just help as much as anyone can at this particular point. Definitely. Well, thank you, Simon, for coming on to the show and telling us about your rise to the challenge. A lot of the stuff you talked about is motivating and inspiring to help the future generations and even all generations become a better person. And the tools that you've experienced can help them get to their rise to the challenge. Well, thank you, Alex. Thank you for having me. And um, hopefully it didn't bore you too much. And, um, and hopefully you took something out of it. No, it wasn't boring. I'm a, I'm a person that I love learning. And that's why I do this show is because I get everything out of the interviews that I do. And I can better myself to become, when I talk with my fraternity, become the greatest version of myself. I can always become better and learn more. So I appreciate the time. <laughs> Mate, you nailed that. Well done. Uh, thanks, buddy. appreciate it. Tune in next time to hear my next guests talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to get the latest episodes. If you have a rise to the challenge, let me know what you're going through because I want to hear what you have been motivated to conquer in your life. Have a great day, everyone.